Ron and Anian. If your mechanic's diagnosing electrical and he's not spending 30 to 45 minutes examining the circuit, I think he's doing you a disservice. Oh, well, I don't know. I don't know. Why the car won't go. Why the car won't go. I don't know. I don't know. Why the car won't go. Why the car won't go. The car doctor. If your question to them was, hey, the system's not performing properly, and their answer is, let's put some refrigerant in it, then they, they took your money. There was no diagnosis performed. For all we know now, that system could be overcharged. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, the car doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. Hey, it's time to start your engines. Hello and welcome, Ron and Indian, the car doctor here at 855-560-9900. Here to take your calls. Answer whatever questions you might have this week, next week, or uh, any point in between as we motor on forward and continue to try and fix all of America's broken cars at 855-560-9900. More information at cardoctorshow.com. Podcasting available there as well. Don't forget to like, subscribe, favorite, whatever you want to do, anything you can do to help us as uh, we uh, sit down and uh, try and make the business end of this work as well. So uh, subscribing to podcasts in some way, shape, or form, or getting out using DoublePod or whatever you're using on your Android device, whatever you got. Subscribe or click favorites. It helps the numbers more than you can imagine. It was a wild week at the shop. Matter of fact, we were kind of burnt out this week. We took Friday off. We um, we had a mental health Friday uh, this week. So uh, the, it seems like the work week was a distant uh, a distance away. Uh, we did a little traveling yesterday. We went upstate New York and uh, walked around Woodstock, New York, not where the concert was held, but the town of Woodstock. Um, met a gentleman there by the name of George. I don't think that was his real name. He was from Shanghai, China. And we had this conversation, George and I did, about cars and the things that he sees in China. And he explained to me how, you know, I asked him about, are, are self-driving cars a possibility in China? And his description to me was it probably would be a good idea because he doesn't think they have very good drivers in Shanghai. There's no room for them to go, which is why they drive on the sidewalks and every which else. And George's words, not mine. Um, but it was interesting to hear somebody else's perspective on uh, self-driving cars. Uh, the fascination seems to be here, not in a lot of other places. Um, as George put it, he does business mostly in China and Germany. He was just visiting the United States as a, um, how did he put it, as a resort town. So we're nothing more than a resort town, believe it or not. So I see the phones are already lit up before I go into a monologue and put everybody to sleep. Let's go over and talk to Paul from New Hampshire, 92 Toyota Tercel, and some oil pressure issues. Yes, Paul, you're on with the car doctor, sir. How can I help? Ron, Ron, it's a pleasure to talk to you. Yes, and, sir. Uh, I've been wait, wait, waiting to get a hold of you. My wife uh, tracked you down. Uh, she did, had the reman transmission in her van uh, a number of years ago. You did. And uh, I ran into a problem with a 1992 Toyota Tercel. Okay. 1500 E3 fuel injected engine. Has 107,000. And I decided I'd better uh, do the timing belt. And while I was in there, I put valve guide seals in and changed the uh, crankshaft seal and the oil pump seal and the. Uh, camshaft seal. After getting it back together, I uh, cranked it over, and I couldn't get oil pressure up on it. When you say and, oil uh, pump, when, when, I, when you say oil pump seal, Paul, which one are you referring to? Is the does the is this the one the timing belt drives the oil pump? Is the sprocket for the pump driven by the correct, belt? Correct. Yeah. Yes. Okay. 
Um, so did yeah, you so did, did you pull nice. that front cover apart that that front cover area to reseal it? Well, I, yeah, I, I took it down, figuring it'd be easier to uh, pull the seals out without uh, gouging anything up. So I seen the uh, oil, the uh, the drive and the driven gear for the oil pump. Nothing was scored or anything, and it looked good. I didn't even bother uh, checking it for clearance because we always had good oil pressure. Right. And when you change the oil, pump right back up. Uh, so I'm a little at my wit's end because I, I pulled it apart. I, I put some Vaseline in the drive and driven gear to help it climb, and, uh, you know, I didn't have uh, much left in the jar, and uh, it didn't prime, so I went to the store and I picked up a new jar and I packed the cavity with the, the Vaseline to help it uh, prime, and uh, I figured for sure it would uh, build up oil pressure, but it didn't pull it up. Now, where did, which O-ring did you change? The one on the pickup tube or the big O-ring that goes around the pump body itself against the the block? Well, originally I did the one around the pump body, put new uh, uh, big the big O-ring in there, the uh, seal by the drive sprocket and right. the uh, crankshaft seal and the camshaft seal. After I couldn't get it up the third time, the oil pressure, I pulled the pan down to just check the sump. And I put a new O-ring in the pickup tube and uh, checked the tube to make sure it was no cracks or anything in it or nothing restricting the screen. And that was okay. So I put that back up and, you know, gave it another try and uh, it didn't pump up again. I've got to think either something is, is assembled wrong. I mean, we generally don't have this issue. Uh, so, mm -hmm. yeah. you know, I, I've got to think something is assembled wrong or we've got a part out of place, uh, you know... <laughs> And the Vaseline is the right move. That is clearly the right move. But, you know, by now, cranking it around, it should have built oil pressure. Now, stupid question, you're sure this is no oil pressure? You, you, you've, have, you, have you run this? And the, uh, well, I, I cranked, cranked it over and uh, to prime it a little bit and then let it start and run, run for, uh, you know, 30 seconds or so and... The light doesn't go off, and you know it's not putting oil up into the valve cover area because I have the valve cover off to see if, right. if okay. I got to spray oil. Right, and you're not getting that. So, no. so then we've you got to, so then we've got to assume that either either something is gouged in the pump body, and that's the problem. That that bottom piece of the timing cover is also the pump body, and mm -hmm. you know it's either going to be that you've got to take that apart and look at it very carefully such that something's out of place or scored, or you're just going to put a pump body on it. I mean, this is this is yeah. bread and butter. Um, you know, and there's unfortunately, there's no way I know of to test this off the vehicle because the there are ports in that pump body up against the block, correct, if I remember right? It's been a while since I had a 90-toe right. port. Um, about the 12-block position. Right. Um, and we, it's, it's not like you can have something flipped around, a gasket in the wrong place, the pump body in backwards. I don't see that. I don't, I don't think there is a way you could do that wrong. And the only thing they, they say to be careful of is make sure that the, when you put the driven gear in, it has the mark on it and they have it facing towards the closed end of the pump. And that's about the only thing. I mean, it's, it's a, a Ford the drive gear is four uh, lobes and the right. driven gear is five, so it keeps on changing position. Right, like correct. Was there a front? I'm just trying to remember the top of my head. Is there a front and a back to the driven rotor to the to the five lobe? Um, 
I don't it, think the so. The ribbon holder has a, it has a dot on it uh, to put it facing uh, towards the uh, outside of the right. engine. Right. There, there, there's, there's, there's a way for it to be indexed, so it doesn't. Yeah, right. right. It, it won't matter. Um, if the regulator was stuck, and I'm just kind of thinking of this off the top of my head. If the regulator was stuck open, but we yeah. should still have oil pressure. We would just have... Yeah, well, I, I pulled that down when I dropped the pan to check the sump uh, tube and the screen. I, I pulled the relief valve down, and uh, it's closed, and it moves freely. So, uh, yeah, I, w I was just hoping maybe, because to be honest with you, the first time I ever worked on a car, I had the oil uh, pump out of the oil pan, and I figured, well, uh, I was hoping maybe there was some special thing I should do that uh, would rectify the situation. I no. tracked down a new oil pump figure and uh, I, I took it apart twice already and I uh, I figure if, uh, unless I knew a magic way to do something no. uh, I figured the best thing is put a new oil pump in it there there is a spec for tip clearance have you measured that no I, you know I didn't because um, you know everything was clean there was no scoring and like I said the oil pressure was always good on it before so I didn't even bother checking the clearance on it well, when you take it apart the third time, check the clearance. Mm -hmm. Can't hurt. Yeah. Always. And if it's out of spec, if it's out of spec, then you've got your answer. You know, and you could you could yeah. you could sit and ponder why, and sometimes you don't know why. Uh, you know, but mm -hmm. sometimes sometimes figuring out what's bad, sometimes you have to look at what's good. Yeah. Process of yeah, elimination. Yeah, definitely. You know. Yeah. When when pumping the the uh, pump cavities with the Vaseline. Is it any good to put the, some Vaseline down into the center hole on the oil filter to give it a little extra? Uh, no, uh, no. We always we always pack the pump, and we'd want to pack the pump on the inlet side, if I remember right. Um, I'd have to be looking at yeah. it uh, because you're trying to create suction. You know, the the yeah. the only other thing you could try, and it sounds really stupid, but we've years and years and years ago. As kids, we did this on a. Actually, we did this on. Um, we had rebuilt a 426 Hemi in a friend's Cuda, so I'm going way back. Uh, God was young, mm -hmm. and you know Jesus was a baby, and we took a vacuum cleaner. We actually had a vacuum cleaner at Russell's house, and it would it would blow and suck. So we set it up to blow uh -huh. air, and yeah, and we pressurized yeah. the crankcase, and then it pushed oil up into the pump, and it picked up prime, and after that, it was fine. Um, really? Yeah, I, I I can't say I you know we were kind of desperate. We don't want to take that. We don't want to take it back out again. And um, you know I'm not saying it would help you, but you know if there's a way to pressurize the crankcase. But something tells me this is not a loss of prime. Something tells me something's out of place here. Is just my gut, and I would definitely check rotor clearance and just be yeah. sure. Just go through it one more time. Um, Yep. You know, I've I've done this dance. Something's out of place is what it keeps coming back in my mind just listening to you talk about mm -hmm. it. Um, yeah. You know. You've got my email? I, I uh, we, we don't do computers, so okay. uh, I'm at a loss for that. Oh, gee, too bad. I'll tell you what. There's there, there's a ton of information if you do that. Um, and I'd be well, glad. I'll have to go on the library and uh, uh, look, look you up on uh, the computer at the library and uh, right. see what, what's what that. Right, but if, uh, if if you do, you could send me an email, Ron at CarDoctorShow dot com. If you've got somebody else with email, and I could send you some information if I come across it. 
if you have any more problems. But I would be looking okay. very carefully at this pump. I would also look at specs for the pump to make sure mm-hmm. the two gears okay. are you know have the proper clearance, and then kind of go from there. Yeah. All right. Well, I, mean, I, I appreciate a second mind mind looking into this, and uh, I'll get back in there and get get some grease underneath my fingernails and work on it again. You, you know, the easy answer, and I think it's impossible. The easy answer is the pump's turning backwards. Is the pump turning? Because I think if the pump was, to, but I don't think you can. You can't set that up so the pump turns backwards. I think it can no, only. I no, think it can only the, go one way. Yeah, the crank sprocket uh, a couple inches away. Uh, the right. belt drives the oil pump. Right, uh, it's got to be going the right way. So yeah, got to be going the right way. Take another look. Let me know what you see. Okay, I appreciate it. You still no got your race car down in the shop? Well, I still got the hot rod. Nah, it's not at the shop. We 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 took it home and. Uh, we're working on a few other things, and you know, there's always something to tinker with and play with. Um, it's just it's finding the time to do it, which is a whole nother conversation. Okay. So, yeah. yeah. All right, sir. I, I appreciate your time. Thank you very much. Ron. You're welcome, Paul. Good luck to you. Keep me posted. Eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero. Ron and Andy, the car doctor, back right after this. When the family car needs some fixing, there's only two things that really matter: getting the right part and getting some good advice. It's a pretty safe bet that with over a million parts in stock, Pep Boys has the right part right now. The Pep Boys pros are extensively trained to find the right part for just about any car or truck. Better yet, these pros can also handle the entire installation or service needed. It's always good to have options and know the Pep Boys pros have it covered either way. The Car Doctor, 855-560-9900, cardoctorshow.com. I didn't say hello to my boys on the other side of the counter, Tony and Tom. Good to see you guys again. Um, football season's coming soon, fellas. You know, we're uh, three weeks to training camp, I think. Isn't it something like that? Mm, I think it's time uh, Tony and I talked. I, I think it's time Tony and I talked about uh, kicking your butt because you're starting to talk about the Giants negatively already. I'm talking, I didn't say anything negative. Did you hear anything negative? In the tone of your voice, yes. No, because I've given up on football already this season. Uh, I, I, I saw the debate about the Let us enjoy baseball out. right now, okay? Oh, Tom's Red Sox are in first place, and my beloved Yankees are right behind his Red Sox. So yeah, but the Yankees are five and a half out of first. No, what? The Yankees are five and a half out of first. Yes. Well. Yes. At least you're not Mets fans. Thank you. Well, okay. So I just wanted to say that, that I love that about you, too. Let's go over and talk to Jeff. In uh, California's 2016 Honda, some questions and comments about oil life expectancy. Jeff, welcome to the car, Doctor Sir. How can I help? Ron, love the show. Thank Thanks you for taking my call. Thank um, you. To t- I'm changing the oil on my aunt's 2016 Honda. I wanted to talk to you about the oil life percentage. Um, how exactly is that percentage calculated, and is there any point at all in using it? I'm not a fan of the oil oil percentage monitors, Jeff. I'm just not. All right, and it, mm-hmm. it, it it raises a fuss and an ire, and you know it's funny. I read the forums and I I, I see some of them. There's a website out there, BobIsTheOilGuy.com. I've got all the respect in the yes. world for Bob. Um, everybody is fascinated by how far they can make the engine oil go and all the tests they can do and oil life monitors. And hey, you know, great. Um, for me, the proof's in the pudding. I look at the way the oil appears when it's being drained. I between my thumb and my forefinger was always the best test in the world for me. Um, overall vehicle condition, and I think the thing that everybody's missing when they talk about, hey, can I get 10,000 miles or 15,000 miles out of an oil change is um, all the little things that get done during an oil change. You know, tire pressure, fluid levels, you know, general inspection, belts, hoses, the things that you still need to check, 
even though the cars got, you know, they go longer. They'll go 150, 200,000 miles. You know, all those little things that become an issue. Uh, one of the points I brought up recently was the fact that we now have tire pressure monitoring systems that we've had for the past 10 years. If the car goes 10,000 miles on an oil change and the season changes twice in that interim, you know, most people don't check tire pressure. So tire pressure lights are going to come on. The, the tire pressure is never accurate. Um, that's a problem. So I think extending oil changes, I think it's a marketing concept. I think they want to hand you a car that, you know, never needs to break, never never needs repairs, never needs maintenance. Just drive it until the wheels fall off it, uh, which usually will. Um, the factors that they look at for oil change monitor is coolant temperature, engine run time, starting temperature to max, um, uh, the way the car is driven, acceleration rate, uh, you know, is it is it spending more time idling, low RPM? Because the computer can count that and look at that, and you know, just you know, just the normal factors, normal occurrences of day to day operation. The funny thing is, if you read it somewhere in the service manual on the majority of cars, GM does it for certain that I've seen. They'll tell you if the battery is disconnected at any time during the oil life maintenance monitor cycle. They want you to revert to either a three-and-three three or a five-and-five, five-month, five-thousand-mile oil change interval until it can be reestablished. So, yeah, you know what's the what, what's the caption here? Um, yeah. The the, the 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 truth is, I've never seen a car fail from getting one too many oil changes. <laughs> uh, you know, but the the other way around, um, you know, I, I I still see those issues. Um, and sometimes it's not oil change related, Jeff. We had a customer just recently. She was driving a 2004 Buick Skylark. No, Buick LeSabre. Big thing. And we couldn't convince this, this younger driver to change her oil on a regular basis or even an irregular basis. The vehicle went 10 months in between oil changes. It was 4,000 miles overdue. And the left rear metal brake line blew. And the vehicle almost got into an accident and she was almost seriously hurt. Um, as a result, and we ended up having to junk the car because the rest of the system was too far gone, too much rust, and too many other issues. So, uh, you know what? I think the best thing in the world you can do to your car is change the oil or just plan to do regular maintenance and looking at the car on a regular basis to extend the life. Um, good for you. Keep changing your ants oil and everyone else's, and uh, do it by common sense, not by a dash indicator. I'm Ron Anani and the Car Doctor. We're back right after this. Okay, as long as you're all right. My Tony's under the weather today. He's he's like a real trooper. The show must go on. He's in here doing the show sick. Good thing he's on the other side of the glass. Um, two comments. Well, one comment and then an email I want to do. Um, for Paul, who called up previously at the top of the hour talking about the oil pressure on his Toyota Tercel, I was thinking about it. The only other thing I've seen, and I've seen this more than a few times, is how did you support the engine when you did the timing belt? If you put a floor jack underneath the oil pan, and I've seen guys do this, could you have crushed in the front of the oil pan such that you blocked off the oil pump pickup in the pan, and that's why you have no oil pressure? So, Paul, if you're listening, just take a look at the oil pan. Is it clear? Does the oil pump pickup tube have clearance enough that it's able to draw oil? The pan clearance hasn't been crushed down by uh, you know support doing the timing belt. Just something to think about. 
This letter comes to us from Dr. Richard McCann over in England. He, um, he, he wrote a good one this time. He always writes a good one. He always writes good ones, but I, I really enjoyed this one. Um, it, uh, it makes a lot of good points. Hey, Ron, greetings from England, and thanks for an interesting and entertaining show on Saturday, as always. I've been reading a report on the recent autonomous vehicle expedition ex- exhibition held in Stuttgart, Germany. A couple of things were particularly interesting. I'd like to share them with you. Firstly, while there apparently was lots of gadgetry on display, vehicle sensors, sophisticated road mapping devices, and so on, there were hardly any actual cars and none that were driverless. And secondly, which explains the first point, of the 20 or so exhibitors who were interviewed, not one believed that truly autonomous cars would be on the roads of Europe within a decade. By truly autonomous, here's the interesting part, not that this isn't interesting, but I was also fascinated to learn that the industry dodges the issue by having SIF six different levels of autonomy where level zero has a human doing all the driving to level five where there's no human involvement at all apparently the holy grail for the industry is actually not level five but level four where humans take control where necessary how will you know you know and my first question here would be how will you know when it's necessary to take control if if you're in if you're in a self-driving car and you're taking a nap, I mean, what is it? We're gonna have to have a self-driving car, and now you have to watch the car to decide when you have to inter- intervene in order to operate the vehicle properly. That's that's the thought process. Uh, level five, holy grail! Imagine riding a train that needs the passenger. Doctor McCann continues to take control where necessary. Not very relaxing, right? Exactly. How will you know? You'll know if you hit the telephone pole and go. Damn, I should have been driving. I'm not sure that there are any level four cars on the road today, even in Silicon Valley. There's a handful of level three, which require frequent human intervention. Yeah, look at the way we drive normally, so you can understand why they're having accidents. And despite what's been reported, this is apparently the type that killed the woman in Arizona. Well, actually, my understanding of the vehicle that killed the woman in Arizona was they they somehow bypassed the safety systems requiring or allowing the human being to be involved um, that took away control of the vehicle from them, and that's what created it. Oh, excuse me. Add in the reports of how easy it is for hackers to take over a car steering, and I start to think that despite all the puff about a driverless future, it's really just a pipe dream to hook investors and part them from their money. Best wishes and stay well, Ron. Truly, Richard, Dr. Richard McCann. Thanks, Doc. Um, I had an interesting thought, what I think is an interesting thought while I was reading this, we're basing everything on self-driving cars here now, today. In 20 years, just bear with me for a minute. What if in 20 years, everything was self-driving cars? And there's a situation where somebody has to take over take over control of that self-driving car, right? All of a sudden, there's there's a bad road scenario, there's a bad weather condition. What are you going to do if what are you going to do if that self-driving car has a passenger in it that never got a driver's license or never drove a car in the first place? How are they going to take over the self-driving car to drive it? Right? I mean, that makes sense. So, what, we're going to have the person that can't drive on a car that has a limited steering wheel if one at all drive a self-driving car that they can't really operate because that's why they're driving a self-driving car in the first place? I I think Autonomous vehicles have their place, and I've said this time and time again. I think they have their place. I don't know if the place is full automation, fully taking over, fully doing what you know what we're hoping they can do. I, I think there's got to be a point of common sense. I think if you could put 
And would you? And his letter raises a concern for me about human interaction. If your 85-year-old mother had to go to the doctor and you put her in the car and say, take mom to 72 Main Street for Dr. Johnson and Dr. Johnson's nurse when mom gets there walks down and walks mom upstairs. What if the self-driving car has a problem while he's driving mom to the doctor? How much are you going to trust it? So, you know, I realize cars with people in them are not, you know, errorless. Not in, 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 it, it's just a question of, are self-driving cars better or worse? And I'm of the inclination that they work great on paper, but I, 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 I think there's a degree of worse built in here. Um, I think this is a problem, and I think we've got to really, really look at it. Um, Eric Bean wrote, Ron, I've got something to add to your recent discussion on self-driving cars. They may be technological wonders, but the human element um, cannot be eliminated. We read this last week, and I think it's worth looking at again. Take, for instance, the ability to distinguish sound. Eric wrote this. I read this last week, the week before, and I've been thinking about it ever since. He's absolutely right. I was on the thruway last night. Driving home from Woodstock, New York, we had a mental health day and a fun day. We went upstate. And I was, oh, I was probably 10, 12 car lanes back, and the speed limit's 65, and everybody's doing 75 because you're trying not to get run over by the 18-wheeler and everything else that's in your way. So, you know, it's like a ballet out there, right? It's, it's a dance. You're, you're doing the dance. You're, you're, you're trying to stay out of the flow of traffic. I'm on the right lane and the slow lane, and I'm watching everybody ahead of me. There was an 18-wheeler in the fast lane, two cars behind it, and a little space opened up. And the guy in the Mini Cooper said, well, you know what? I can go there. And he just shot right in front of the two cars behind the 18-wheeler, and it kept going. Everybody but the truck's brake lights went on. And I was kind of expecting the Mini Cooper to slide under the 18-wheeler, and then I'd be, you know, running away from scattered debris all over the road. But would a mini? But would a self-driving car see that? I was twelve car lengths back. How far ahead can it see, and how quick can it react? Because, and this was my point, that wasn't a problem. But my brain told me that could be a problem. Would the self-driving car be smart enough to see that's an oops about to happen? Can it foresee the accident, or does it have to be be the accident before it reacts to it? Tom, did you have a... No, I just wanted to uh, say, remember, to err is human. To really screw things up requires a computer. Well, and yeah, then there's that. And, and I, you know, so... But I see stuff like this all the time with the amount of driving I do, and it, I mean, it, it amazes me the things people pull on the road. Well, the the things they pull on the road, and nobody, you know, what's the rule? I think it's, I think it's, is it three car lengths for every ten miles an hour of travel? Uh, no, one, one car length for every ten. Is it one for every ten? Yep. Okay, so one for every ten. So, the eighteen wheeler that was in the front of this crowd, the last vehicle should have been past me. I was twelve car lanes back, doing seventy five in the slow lane. The last vehicle should have been behind me to do this safely, and it wasn't. They were all riding each other's bumper. And the other thing that kills me is, you're right, the right lane is the slow lane. The center lane is your travel lane. The right lane is for getting on and off. Center, center is to travel, left lane is passing. And how many people are all driving 75, 80 miles an hour in all three lanes, and if you're doing the speed limit, God help you if you're in the center lane. Right. It's unbelievable. Well, and I was on the part of the throw, I was way upstate, there was only two lanes. 
So that was a, that was okay. even another problem. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. That that's that that's the other issue up there. The farther upstate you go, the you know you, you get cut down a lane, and then things get a little narrower right. and narrower. And and then what's going to happen? And then then we'll go. Then what's going to happen? Coming home, uh, the uh, let's see, we got to exit seventeen on the throughway, exit sixteen on the throughway, which was Woodbury, and then below that would have been fifteen Mawa, but. There was a three-mile line of cones they were working on the throughway. Will the self-driving car see that? How will, it, how will it react to that? Because I read the sign that said, you know, road work three miles, next three miles, etc. You know, speed limit is now 20 miles an hour. Uh, you know, do we have the sophistication or are we planning to, you know, tell the self-driving car you've entered a work zone, slow down and observe these rules? Well, my favorite also is, is you go into the... You go into the work zone, it says right lane closed, so you get in the left lane. You get, you're driving in the left lane, right lane's closed, everything's great, right lane opens up, and all of a sudden left lane is closed, and you don't even have a quarter mile to get over. Right. Is, is it going to recognize that? Right. You, you know, because the sign back there didn't say right lane, then left lane closed, or, or vice versa. It just says one lane closed, and all of a sudden. And then how will the self-driving car, I could talk about this all day, how will the self-driving car react to lousy drivers? Because I think there's a few of them out there. I was I was coming out of the chiropractor this morning. On, I was on Route 17 North in New Jersey. Again, I'm in the slow lane. I'm always in the slow lane. I'm just kind of, I'm a peaceful soul. I'm just trying to do my thing. Yeah. And, 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 shh. And the kid from Massachusetts in the Honda Civic, no blinker, not looking, just flies out onto the highway, you know, doing 10 miles an hour faster than me. He just shot right into the fast lane, cut across all three lanes, and he was driving like a jerk. Yeah. And my daughter lives in Massachusetts, and I can't tell you on the radio what they call the drivers up there. Well... But, you know, you just, how will a self-driving car react to that? Ah, we're boring, everybody. Let's pull over and take the pause. Ron and Andy in the car, doctor. 855-560-9900. We're back right after this. Don't go away. When the family car needs some fixing, there's only two things that really matter. Getting the right part and getting some good advice. It's a pretty safe bet that with over a million parts in stock, Pep Boys has the right part right now. The Pep Boys pros are extensively trained to find the right part for just about any car or truck. Better yet, these pros can also handle the entire installation or service needed. It's always good to have options, and know the Pep Boys pros have it covered either way. <sighs> boy, oh boy, I tell you, you start talking self-driving cars and the phones light up bigger than they normally light up. Ron and Andy in the car actor here. Let's go over and talk to Yosef in Kansas. Yes, Yosef, what do you got? Hey, Ron, how's it going? Good, sir. What's going on? Well, I just have a thought on some of these self-driving vehicles. Okay. Okay, so say the weather gets bad. Are they going to actually turn on the windshield wipers and headlights or not? Well, and how would they know? Exactly. And, how would they know? Well, you know, so, so you know, Ford Edge, and we went and looked at a Ford Edge. We're thinking of a new car. And Ford Edge has an option with automatic wipers, rain-sensing wipers. Does that technology work? I, it's, it's sort of okay, but do I really want to count on it? How much automation do I want to make? Here's the real scary thing about self-driving cars. In my opinion, if they get us used to it and they start manufacturing enough of them, you know, do you know why, do you know why people buy the cars that they currently buy? Because, that's, because they're comfortable well, with it. Well, they're comfortable with it, right. And the manufacturers make those cars because that's what's selling. 
once self-driving cars take over to a point, and granted, it's, it's, it's a ways down the road, I think, but think about this, 10, 15 years from now, when people say, I don't want to drive anymore, and I don't want to put, you know, as a gasoline engine, gas stations will go away, it'll be self-driving cars, there's no going back, technology marches forward, it only goes in one direction. And, right. you know, how capable is it? We haven't perfected the technology we have. Why are we trying to create more to add to the problems we've already got? But you raised some very good points, sir. Yeah, another thing for you, too, is I've noticed, too, on some of these newer cars, they, you know, they tend to send fault codes if there is, like, an ignition or whatever, problem some of these newer cars they'll just shut completely down have you witnessed that yeah and there there are some that will do that and i think i think self-drivers are going to do that too and think about the limits think about the problems here well a, a simple one gm had issues five six years ago with uh um the cars would go into limp mode because the you know the throttle pedals the, the sensors for the throttle pedals and the throttle bodies would fail and the vehicle would go into limp mode because it, it didn't have accurate throttle response What's going to happen with drive-by-wire on, you know, self-driving cars? you got to hope they catch the issue. What about the Toyotas with their unintended acceleration issues? True or not, false or not, but the, the issue is there are documented cases of vehicles, all manufacturers, having unintended acceleration issues. Will self-driving cars be able to correct for that? Appreciate the call, Yosef, 855-560-9900. The car doctor's coming right back. Don't go away. Hey, welcome back. We're on the the car doctor. Great hour. Um, enjoy talking to everybody. You know, the self-driving car phenomena is not going to go away anytime soon. It's something that's just going to continue and, and move forward. And, you know, we've got to be aware of it. We've got to be aware of what's trying to be created um, because there's too many factors and too many things that are tied to that self-driving car. Um, you know, there's the economy side, the financial side. Uh, you know, I get it that it's going to change society, and it will. You know, but it's also got a lot to do with general public safety and, you know, how well we're able to deal with it. Some recent reports this week, and I'll, I'll see if I can find the emails. We'll talk about it in the second hour. But, you know, Tesla's not doing well again. And the predictions of Tesla's doom. Okay, you know, they've been talking that for years now. And has it happened? Not really. But the company is not doing well in terms of meeting their financial goals. And ultimately, that's what it'll come down to. It'll come down to financial goals. Um, you know, dollars and cents. Uh, does it make sense, S-E-N-S-E, and they're making any dollars, D-O-L-L-A-R-S. So uh, I think self-driving cars are a little bit of a game right now. I question will it work at the national level, um, you know, under every condition. And, and, and Yosef from Kansas brought up an excellent point. What if you're driving along in the self-driving car and the weather becomes so unbearable that you have to pull over? Will the car know that? How will they do that? I'm sure somebody's going to tell me, well, Ron, they'll tie the car's existing satellite system to get information from a weather satellite and decide when and how to pull over. Yeah, what about in Arizona where they get sudden dust storms and you literally cannot see the hood of the car? Right. Somewhere along the way... And for the foreseeable future, unless computing power really takes off, which maybe 100 years, 200 years from now will, 
I never thought I'd be saying this, but you need you need that human brain involved in driving. Well, you kind of do. We're just not used to seeing it a lot anymore. But, you know, you need that human interaction. And I don't know that self-driving cars are going to give that to us on a safe, consistent, regular basis. To be continued, I'm Ron Anini and the Car Doctor. The mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. See you.